us as we sit in your presence, Lord, as we stand before you, God. We acknowledge that your presence is here. And we know, God, as comforting as it is to be in your presence, God, that there is no place more wonderful, God, that it calls us, Lord, calls us out of the unbelief that we have been dealing with. It calls us out of the struggle we've had, Lord, to trust you. Trust that you are good and that your desire, Lord, for us is only good. And so, Lord, as we come to your word today, speak to us. Help us, Lord, to focus on your word, on, on your voice. Help us, Lord, to get rid of any distracting distracting noises and, and voices, Lord, that seem to drown out your voice. But God, we ask that you help us to be sensitive today to what it is you are saying to each of us, Lord, to every one of us individually. Lord, do not let any one of us walk out of here without a specific word from you a reminder of your love, of your grace, an experience of your presence that we have never experienced before. Because we know that you are a personal God, that you are God who cares about us personally, deeply. And Lord, that you see us, you do. So we come before you humbly seeking your presence, your voice in a way that is tangible, life-changing, and personal this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. As a church we say, amen. Amen. You may be seated, everyone. Happy Chinese New Year um, to all of you who observe this the day to celebrate or simply just participate. This morning, Levi reminded me um, as we were walking out the door, uh, something I said to him about what we do as a family for Halloween. We do not celebrate it, but we simply participate. And us as a family, we, we growing up, we never had this tradition that we celebrated, even though I myself, um, ethnically, is I'm Chinese, and um, but living here, growing up here all my life, it was just nothing that, it was not really something that we observed as a family, we celebrated as a family. Um, but it's something that we participate in. For example, we had a dinner at my parents' home yesterday, which I'm sure if your family is here, a lot of family dinners were happening um, all across the world. Um, and so it is something that we do participate in. And, and when my dad asked me to preach about Chinese New Year, I must admit that um, I needed to do a bit of study, uh, a little bit of background um, as to you know, what, what makes this day so special to many 
many people, particularly the Chinese and those of you who I see are wearing red um, and do celebrate this day and this occasion. Um, some things that I that I did learn in my study uh, uh, about the traditions of Chinese New Year, um, it, it is in fact something that uh, I should take interest in, uh, considering that my grandpa uh, did migrate from <laughs> China, and um, I did get an opportunity to visit my great-grandma uh, in Xiamen, if I butchered that, I'm sorry. but. Um, I, we visited her in, in her home, and her feet were still wrapped up um, in the bandage, as, as in um, that was customary for her time. So we got to meet her, a very, very small lady <laughs> um, with small feet, and that was a wonderful opportunity that I got to experience. Um, and um, I never got to meet my grandpa, unfortunately, from my mother's side, who, who did migrate from China. But I did um, get to experience a little bit of where he grew up and his home country. So that was kind of special. And doing a bit of study about this, the background in Chinese New Year did get me... Um, you know, reflecting again on my background, my ethnic background, um, and um, how unique that is that I belong to such a such a um, a strong tradition, such a rich heritage. Um, now, for those of you who are Chinese here, if there is anything that I that I present <laughs> that is not necessarily uh, something that you celebrate or or may not be true, then I do apologize. This is something. Um, just from my own personal study, and, and perhaps um, you can correct me after this. Um, but all, what we do know is for Chinese New Year, it symbolizes a fresh start um, for the Chinese. Um, just like we celebrate the Western New Year, and, and that presents a, um, you know, a, a day where we get to uh, be expectant about the hopes and expectations um, of the year, uh, Chinese are very similar, um, but the emphasis, I would say, is more onto the new hopes of happiness and prosperity. <laughs> um, and so that is, I think, something uh, quite unique in the tradition, the, the emphasis on prosperity. Uh, what I did also learn is that the shooting of firecrackers on Chinese New Year's Eve um, is not just you know, a tradition that is similar to what we do in, uh, in Western New Year, but it's actually a way for the Chinese to send out the old year and to welcome in the new. And so um, uh, with a lot of the tradition and customs, there is some meaning behind it. Um, as I mentioned before, it's customary for Chinese families to do a general spring, oh sorry, to, to be reunited on Chinese New Year's Eve, um, but about the preparations happen well before that, and so it's very customary for them to do a spring cleaning um, of their homes to make sure that the house is spotless for the new year. Um, and this is one thing that I find interesting. Sweeping or dusting is not to be done on Chinese New Year Day um, so that good fortune does not get swept away. Um, that is definitely something that I found interesting <laughs> um, and, and very unique. Uh, to the Chinese culture. Um, and 
very similar. According to the tradition, food is also to be prepared the day before. Um, so not on Chinese New Year's Day to avoid the use of anything sharp like knives and scissors as to avoid cutting away any luck uh, that, may, um, that we may want to attract in the new year. Um, and of course, we understand that um, what I do love about the part of that tradition is that when the family does reunite, a lot of the intention behind it is to build or restore uh, family relationships and even friendships for the new year ahead. Um, and that's something that I, I, um, I really look at and, and I'm grateful for uh, my Chinese um, background um, to really teach me about the richness of family life, um, which is something that um, I've grown up with, a, a good family. Um, here it says um, only good words should be spoken on the first day of the new year. So I expect from many of you I'm going to hear compliments. <laughs> uh, those of you wearing red today, only good things. Um, no matter how bad I do today, you're only going to say nice things. Uh, <laughs> um, and so only good words are to be spoken as to not break any or as to welcome any bad luck. Um, for the rest of the year. And of course, we all know, and even though we don't celebrate the whole thing, we all look forward to red packets or the hongbao of, um, you know, and which is something that uh, families, uh, the, the ones who are married, give to the young adults who are not married yet for good fortune. Um, so I thought that might be interesting just to start off with, you know, some, some things that are customary uh, for Chinese people in Chinese New Year. Um, but if we really do look at uh, these customs and traditions, uh, it's evident that many of them come from superstition. Um, many of them are associated with superstitious beliefs uh, as, we as people celebrate Chinese New Year. And like I said before, there's a clear emphasis on uh, attracting good luck on attracting good fortune um, and material prosperity and wealth. If any of you uh, watch, um, uh, what's his name, Ronnie Cheng, if any of you are like, uh, into comedy, one of the funniest comedians, in my opinion, of our day, um, Asian comedians, Ronnie Cheng, he had a great special about um, the Chinese, and, and obviously he was joking, but how the Chinese love money. <laughs> and, and I think it's not necessarily something that we, you know, we shun upon, but it's true. <laughs> um, I, I simply say that I think it's, it's quite true, and, and the emphasis of that, uh, the Hung Bao, is very much evident, isn't it, uh, on Chinese New Year. <laughs> um, but... It's important for us who are Chinese um, and have, but have also chosen to follow Jesus to, to understand these things. It's important for us to understand where these traditions come from. Actually, once I studied these traditions, I was like, oh, that's why people do that. That's why people have this. And it, it, it's really good to understand. On one hand, it's good to understand uh, our culture and appreciate it. Um, on the other hand, it's also good to understand where our culture and belief systems will contradict the Bible. <laughs> it's good to understand that as well. Um, as for those of us who are in Christ, who are believers, uh, we 
have given ourselves completely, wholly to the truth that is in Jesus Christ. And so it's very important as well for us to understand and distinguish uh, the parts that of tradition and culture that actually contradict the Word of God and contradict um, uh, the, what God has spoken. And so today I want to talk about, as Christians, how we can celebrate Chinese New Year, not with superstition, but with faith. How we can enter into a new year or celebrate a new year of hope um, and even prosperity, not with a superstition, but with a, a confidence, a, a faith. Um, and how we can, in, instead of pursuing the material things itself, such as prosperity and happiness, we can commit to another year of pursuing God, who we know as believers is the source of that, is the source of all that is good. Now, if we look at the definition of superstition, let's be, just to be clear, okay, um, the Merriam-Webster dictionary, part of the definition includes a belief or practice resulting from fear of the unknown, trust in magic, or chance. So that's, that's very much um, emphasized um, with, you know, making sure that we don't attract any bad luck um, and make sure that we, um, you know, we, we do things that will attract only good luck for the year. So that, these are practices and beliefs um, that really come from a fear of the unknown. Because if, if we were all to be honest with ourselves, we don't really know what the year ahead uh, will present to us. But faith, the biblical definition of faith, is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So even though we have no idea, even though we cannot see the year ahead, the things that will happen, we will walk in confidence. We will walk knowing that the hope that we have is not going to fall apart. That the hope that we have is something that we can really bank our lives on, something that is real, that we can truly ground our, our, our lives in. And so we can look at the year with uh, a joyful expectation despite not knowing what is to come. Paul's definition of faith here is he's saying we can be confident because of the object of our faith. We can be confident because we have faith in a God who rose again. He says in the book of Corinthians that our faith is not useless, that our faith is not futile. Why? Because Jesus not only died for us, he rose again. He rose in power. He rose in victory. And so the object of our faith, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're putting our faith in a, in a God who is living, Amen. in a God who is victorious, in a God who is able to take us through anything we experience this year that we may not see coming. You know, we cannot deny though, our human tendencies for superstition, right? Even as Christians, you know, we're not immune. Like as a Christian, 
how, if we were to be honest, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but if we were to be honest, how has it ever passed your mind, the thought, if I miss out on reading my Bible this morning, or if I'm not reading long enough, um, I'm probably going to have a really bad day. Like I'm, uh, God's, you know, like none of my prayers today would probably be answered. Like how many of you? Has that thought ever passed your mind? You see, we're not immune to superstitious tendencies even as Christians. Um, we think, oh, you know what? My car broke down this week. It must be because I didn't go to church last week. Has that, has that thought ever pro- crossed your mind? Because often it is this human tendency to have superstition, uh, whether it be cultural roots or not. We can make spiritual disciplines into a form of a superstitious act. And the thing about superstition is that it gives us this illusion that we have any control. See, we think if we do certain things, we think if we read our Bible enough, we go to church enough, that God would bless us. It, it gives us this false sense that it was up to us in the first place, that we had any control over what happens in our lives, regardless of what God might plan. But we have to understand that the root of our superstition is really a fear of the unknown, which we all, we all understand, do we? The fear of the unknown. And at the same time, we prefer to be in control. We prefer to have a sense that we can control the outcomes of our lives. That if we just do this, this, and this, that it would lead to that, that, and that. We, we sometimes want to deduce our lives to formulas, deduce our future or the outcome of our future to doing certain things, sowing. Sometimes we even put, uh, disguise it under the name of sowing. And yet behind it is really this superstitious belief that we are in control of our destiny. But as Christians, we can begin a new year without fearing the unknown. We're not bound by fear. And at the same time, we can actually enter into the new year, even though uh, we acknowledge that we have limitations, that we have weaknesses, that we have no control over what's to come, and we have no idea. Even though we acknowledge all that, we can enter into a new year with a, a, a faith and a hope because our faith is on a living God who rose again. It makes all the difference who the object of your faith is. The thing about superstition is that you don't know what you're, ob- what you're trusting in. You're just hoping it might happen. I hope. You say that a lot. I hope. I hope not. I hope. But what can guarantee the outcome of what you're putting your faith in, what you're you're putting your trust in? 
only Jesus, who is a living hope, can say yes to whatever it is that we want to put our faith in. So, two reasons we can celebrate Chinese New Year with faith and not superstition, okay? This is coming to the theology side of things. Number one, very simply, in Christ, there's no bad luck. There's no bad luck. In Jesus Christ, who has conquered the grave, who has seen death and risen again in victory, there is no longer any curse strong enough to withhold him. And so anyone who is in Christ, there is no such thing as bad luck. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Do you know what this means? When Jesus hung on that cross, he took upon all the curses that you deserved. He took that upon himself and he defeated the power of every single curse, including the curse of sin and death. And so when you put your faith in Jesus, you're no longer bound by any curse. Bad luck does not have any power over you. There is no curse strong enough to withhold the power and the victory of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But instead, you have redemption. And that means whatever mistakes and failures you have experienced in Christ, they don't become a curse for you, but they turn into something beautiful in your life. As painful as that can, can be in your experience. It becomes something that redeems you and not curses you. The curse of sin is broken. And therefore, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so in Christ, there's no bad luck. Now, this does not mean, obviously, that you're immune to any suffering and any challenges, because that's often what we're thinking, right? When we face any challenges or hardship, what have I done? You see, that's curse-like thinking. You think, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done to bring this upon myself, to attract this thing in my life? But when we are in Christ, that's not the law that we live under anymore. We live under the grace of God. Things will happen in this life because there is sin, because the world is fallen. It will happen anyway, and it may happen to you in very painful ways. But in Christ, He will redeem it for your good. He will make all things work together for good. For those who love Him and for the glory of His name. And so we have to see things now as Christians this way, that everything that comes into our life comes in such a way that God would mold us through it and that God would prepare us for the next step. 
No challenge is bigger than God. Even a terrible situation. And I don't say this lightly because I know some of you have gone through very terrible things. But if you keep trusting in the Lord, in Christ who is risen, who is victorious, you will see that even the most terrible things, God can turn around for good. He can turn it into a blessing in your life. All that we have received in Christ, we have received by grace and not by our works. And his grace will be sufficient to empower you through anything this year. So number one, in Christ Jesus, there is no bad luck. So we can face the new year not with superstition, but with faith. Number two, in Christ Jesus, all the promises of God are yes for you. The promises of God are yes and amen for every believer. You don't have to earn your way into God fulfilling his promises for your life. They are yes and amen for you. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. One of my favorite theologians who I found out the other day was born in the 1800s. Um, but such wisdom he had. Um, A.W. Tozer said this, It would be hard to find someone who would say that they did not believe in the promises of God. I'm looking here in the church today. And I'm seeing most of us would say yes, I assume, to do you believe the promises of God? And I think most of us would say yes, I do believe them. Um, and that the laws associated with the kingdom of God are, are true. And we would say yes to that. But then he goes on to say they believe, but there is an element of unbelief in their life. They believe what God says is true, but it isn't relevant to them at this time in their life. You see, unbelief says that it's for someone else, or maybe for somewhere else, or for another time. You see, even though we've been Christians for so long, if we were to be honest, we still battle with unbelief, don't we? I battle. This is as much a message for me as it is, I believe, for the church. We still battle with unbelief. Because even though we can say, yes, we believe the promises of God, but in a situation, especially when we're particularly faced with a hard situation, in that moment, often we're faced with thinking, well, maybe that's not for me in this situation. Maybe this time, God doesn't mean to fulfill his promise. Maybe not in this situation. You see, ultimately, it's not God who withholds his promises from us. It's unbelief who, that hinders us from fully experiencing the promises of God. Unbelief says... Maybe some other time. You know, God did it last time. The thing is this, 
If we count our blessings, we know that God is able. God did it last time and we can see that. But maybe he's not going to do it this time. That's the voice of unbelief. You know, we think to ourselves, maybe circumstances have changed. And coming back to that superstition again, maybe I just haven't been close enough with God. I haven't read enough of the Bible. I haven't come to church enough. And so we, we think in order to bring about the, the Lord's blessing, we start to do more. But you see, faith says, if God did it that time, he will do it again. That's faith. If God has done it before, then he will do it again. And perhaps this time in even greater ways than I ever expected. Because God continues to be immeasurably more than what I imagined him to be. Unbelief would say, I believe, yeah, sorry, I believe that the promises of God are true, but they're not for now. They're not, they're not for in this situation. They're not for this place. It's a new season. It's a new challenge. Maybe Maybe God has some new learnings and he's, he's not going to come through, but maybe he wants me to work a little bit harder. Maybe he wants me to be a bit smarter this time. Maybe he wants me to get connected a little bit more. You see how often unbelief immediately gets us into doing human things, into finding human solutions. Quite naturally, I would say. I don't know about you. I'm a doer. And I, I tend to really bypass things a lot and just quickly act. And I find myself, God has convicted me time and time again. Ruth, pause. Think about it with faith. Process this situation with your faith. Instead of going and finding a human solution now because you don't think I would do it again. Faith says, well... If God did it in Egypt with the Israelites, God will do it now in Melbourne. It's not too hard for the Lord. Unbelief says, maybe someone else. Oh, I understand why God would work in her. Oh, I understand why God would work in him. They've been ministering a lot. They do so much for the church. I, I get that. But I don't understand why God would do that for me, though. I, you see, I, maybe I understand if... if Somebody in, in, you know, a pastor would be financially blessed. I, I understand that. But what have I done in the kingdom of God? Why would God bless me as much as he blesses that person? But you see, faith says, hang on a second. If God did it for him, then God would do it for me too. Because his love for me is the same. If God did it for that person, that's going to inspire me to believe that God will do it in my life, in this season, in this situation. That God's promises are for me as well. That I don't have to work twice as hard, do more things in order to earn God's favor because God's favor cannot be earned. It is yes and amen for everyone who is in Christ. You see, the thing about faith is that faith places God at the center. Unbelief makes us look at ourselves. 
and our situation. And it makes us assess the situation and we're like, nah, I don't think it'll happen. But faith puts God back in the center. Well, it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on God. God is faithful. When God says something, He means it. Like Jesse mentioned before, God doesn't change. God is not inconsistent. And so if God says it, I can put my faith in His Word because it's gone. You see how God puts it, actually faith puts God at the center. When we're battling unbelief, it's probably because we're focusing too much on ourselves and our situation. But faith puts God back in His rightful place because God can and God wants to. The reason why many Christians wander aimlessly and get discouraged is because of unbelief. And I believe that for some of you today, you need to get back to trusting God. You need to stop, pause, stop, take a moment to really reflect on your situation, to really pray about your situation. To really wait upon the Lord and to know that He is with you and He is for you. You need to get back to trusting in Him. Because the moment you start to veer away from, and start to make your own solutions and pave your own future, you're, you're paving a path for yourself, but you don't know where you're going to end up. God will welcome you back. If you confess your unbelief and put your faith in Him again, trust Him, He'll welcome you back. And He'll willingly guide you and He'll willingly lead you. But sometimes some of us need to stop. Like, we're so busy doing what? We need to pause and really pray about our situation and our circumstance. And trust in the Lord. You see, in Exodus 23, I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. In Exodus 23, verse 30, God says to the Israelites when he took them out of Egypt, he says, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way to bring you to the place I've prepared. So when God took them out of Egypt, he also assigned an angel, the Spirit of God, to take them all the way to the promised land. He never abandoned them any moment and you know what the purpose was because he had prepared a place for them the purpose of God for Israel all along was to bring them into the land to possess what he had already promised them you see God not only saved the nation out of slavery this is what we emphasize a lot in the church that God saved you out of sin yes he did Praise God that he did. He, he saved you out of a life of, and bondage of sin. But he also saved you for something. He saved you to bring you into something. He saved you for a place. And that is a place of his blessing. A place of his affection. A place of his prosperity in your life. God saved the Israelites out of Egypt to bring them 
into the promised land. But I think for many of us, especially as we experience the new year, this is a word for us that in the, but first God had to take the Israelites out of Egypt. For some of us, Egypt is all we've ever known. Even though it was a lot of suffering and pain that we grew up, it's a lot of, it's everything we, we've ever known. You see, these, this generation of Israelites never, they, they didn't have a foretaste of the promised land. They simply had to trust that God loved them and that God was going to bring them into the promised land that he, that he had already spoken to them about, that he was going to fulfill all that he promised. But you see, for the Israelites, it was a struggle because Egypt was everything they ever knew. And so they struggled to trust in the Lord in their journey because it was more comfortable being in a place they knew than trusting God in something new, but believing as well that it is something great and it is for you. For some of you today, as you face a new year, I want to encourage you to leave Egypt. I think some of us are out of that place already, but we still dwell on the past. We still take comfort in it in some way because it's all we've ever known and there is a fear of the new. There is a fear of the great thing that God has and it hinders us from stepping into that. But I want to encourage you Leave it. Leave it. Because what God has for you is so much better. So much better. I'm just believing for some of you that you're going to experience breakthrough this year. I believe it. You are not under the curse of sin. You're going to experience breakthrough in Jesus' name. You're going to experience answered prayers like never before in Jesus' name. And it's not because you deserved it, but because you would have made a decision to trust in Jesus. To keep trusting, keep moving forward. It takes faith to wander through the desert. It takes faith to, to pass through the desert. But you see, God's leading is there with you. God wants to lead you. The key is you need to obey his voice. How many of us are surrounded by such busyness that it drowns the voice of God in our life? We're so quick to hear our own voice, other people's voice. But when it comes to listening to God's still small voice, by the way, it's still small. Why? Because we need the discipline to quiet ourselves to listen to him. But you see, that still small voice is the one that will navigate 
to the promised land, navigate you through to his promises and his blessing. Not people's opinions, not what the news says about what the forecast is, not expert opinion. It's God. We need to obey that still small voice in our lives. The discipline to listen to God is so important if we want to experience all that God has for us this year. And so the question is, you get as much of God as you want, you know? You see, if you decide to go things, do things your way, and we, maybe some of us have experienced this through our failures in the past. You decide to go through and say, oh, wait, did God stop you? Sometimes God allowed it to happen, didn't he? God allowed you to make those failures and mistakes. He welcomed you back, but he allows it. But you see what he's calling you into is this. Okay, sure, you can do it with your own strength, but here I am. You can access all the grace, all the supply that you need in me, through me. You can have it, says the Lord. We get as much of God as we want. And so if you choose to lean in to listening to God this year and asking the Holy Spirit to lead you through this year, you will see it. You will see God's blessing and God's promises being fulfilled. You will see it. It is yes and amen for your life.